Welcome to Bucks and Bales. This is where we'll talk to people about their archery journey and where they're at with it. It's a podcast about hunting and target archery and where life puts you on your archery journey. Current successes and failures and just all around life. Thank you for tuning in to Bucks and Bales, and if you'd like to connect, please email at bucksandbales at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Bucks and Bales today, ladies and gentlemen, and boy, am I excited to have this gentleman with me today. His name is Don Mager. And he is an official measurer for Pope and Young, Boone and Crockett, and the Minnesota State Record Book. And he has uh, politely let me know that he is absolutely the best-looking person I have ever podcasted in my life. Isn't that right, Don? You betcha. <laughs> you Hi. betcha. How you doing, Don? Oh, good, good. Uh, thanks for having me tonight. Uh, this is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of nice. You know, it breaks up your Monday a little bit. You bet, you bet. Awesome. Well, uh, Dan, you know, I, I guess uh, what I've been starting with everybody else on is, you know, a question about their archery history, since how it's kind of an archery podcast, even though you uh, uniquely are here because you're a totally awesome measurer. So uh, could you give us just a little insight on kind of your background with uh, archery? Well, uh, you know, it kind of started out, uh, I, I used to uh, hunt with a gun. You know, I grew up hunting with a gun. Mm -hmm. My, my family hunted with a gun. And there was one time I was talking to a guy at work and he had a bow for sale. So I, uh, I decided, Hey, you know, what do you, what do you want for it? And, uh, he says, give me 50 bucks. So I bought the bow from him. And uh, mm -hmm. it was an old Browning bowl, probably from the 70s, and uh, uh, got it. was was, you know, I, just being interested in uh, uh, deer hunting overall, uh, I got, I started shooting it, and uh, mm -hmm. it, uh, you know, they have the releases. Now, this was, you pulled them back with your, with three of your fingers. There was like a three tab, uh, finger thing that you put on your. Oh yeah. Finger bow. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's what I started out. And, uh, so then I, you know, I started, you know, I was newly married and, uh, and the kids were really little. We have five children mm -hmm. and the kids were really little. And it seemed like I had plenty of time to, uh, to, to, to bow hunt. You know, so so I took advantage of it or whatever. Yeah. But then, and that probably went for about I don't know five, six, seven years or whatever. Um, not very successful in those early years. Yeah. But uh, but then what happened to me is uh, the kids started getting active. They were they were in sports, and I was in wrestling gyms and um mm -hmm. and football games and whatnot, and I just didn't have time to bow hunt very much at all. So what I did is I transferred back to hunting with a shotgun. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, that went on for many, many years. And then the, uh, 
then my oldest son started, you know, he bought a bow and, you know, um, uh, the Taj Mahal compared to what I had. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back in the day. So, um, so then he started getting interested. And then about six years ago, the kid sprung a brand new bow on me for my birthday. Really? You know? Yep. Oh, so, nice. So then the rest is history. I, I've been bull hunting ever since. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but the crazy thing is, is my, my bull from the 70s, um, we, uh, I, you know, you could hold that thing back maybe for days. If, if it was a minute, you were lucky. Yep. So where this new bull I have, it, it, um, uh, you can pull that thing back and hold it for minutes. Yeah. You know, minutes, minutes, minutes at a time. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it was amazing. I got my bowl. We, uh, we went to the archery shop the next day to accessorize it. Mm-hmm. Um, got some bowl range. And you know what? I, after an hour of shooting that new bowl, I, I was ready to hunt. You know, yeah. the, the equipment is so good. Yeah, it is. It is. That's awesome. So, like, what kind of bow is your new bow then, Don? Um, I, I, uh, it's a PSE Stinger. Oh, it's awesome! Is the actual name? It's three hundred fifteen feet per second. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if the deer blinks, it's it's dead. Yep. You know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Know? So uh, that's cool. It, I, I am just truly amazed uh, how. Uh, fast that you know target shooting how mm-hmm. fast that arrow gets that target it's just crazy that's crazy yeah well sounds to me like you got some awesome kids oh yeah yeah and we're a bull hunting family now my wife bull hunts my mm-hmm. daughter bull hunts and and um and my oldest son uh, bull hunts so we, we get out in the stands as often as we can so uh well that, that sounds like a good family camaraderie Oh, you bet. You bet. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, there were times in my life, you know, I'd go, I'd go hunting and I'd be gone all day and my wife would, would kind of be irritated when I get home. Like, you know, why, uh, you know, what, where have you been all day? But, uh, what it is, is, uh, the secret to a happy marriage is, uh, bring the wife along with you. Oh yeah, <laughs> I need to so, figure that one out yet. <laughs> yeah, bring her along. You know that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty cool. You know, you've been shooting here for another six years or so, and and uh, you've been having how's how's your hunting season going this year? Well, you know, uh, I there was uh, I'm seeing many deer. Uh, but it, it's just amazing when you're when you're bow hunting. Uh, at the point that you draw your arrow back, mm-hmm. your bow back, and what can happen after you have an arrow drawn and you you don't harvest the deer because you you know by the time you uh, draw the bow back, you know you should be throwing an arrow. You know, mm-hmm. so. Uh, it's been that kind of a year where I'm seeing many deer. I've drawn my bull back many times, and uh, just something happens along the way. 
Oh, jeepers. That, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all part uh, of the hunt, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, uh, yeah. And, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but uh, to enlighten you, the, I, I harvested a deer last year. We're going to talk about that later, but uh, it's my very first deer ever with a bow. Really? Yep. I can't, yep. I can't wait for that story. Yes, and I'm just the happiest hunter in this state. I bet. Yeah. So, what, uh, what a lot really of people. Cool. What a lot of people, I guess, I, to let everybody know, you know, I met Don. Uh, I was down in southeast Minnesota one time, and I, and I got a buck, and I didn't know if it would make the state record book or Pope and Young or whatever, and I was looking for a measurer, and Don happens to belong to a group called the Minnesota Official Measures, and and he invited me into his house. He put a state record book in front of me, and we started developing a relationship from there. And there's something to be said about the Minnesota Official Measures and who they are and what they represent. And uh, Don, first of all, First and foremost, I thank you for being a measurer. And oh, it's it, it, uh, you know, if you know, my take on it is is that if I can't shoot any of them big guys, I get to hold a few of them every year. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. And, <laughs> and uh, could you, I guess, tell us a little bit about who the Minnesota official measurers are and what kind of record books you measure for? Well, uh, uh, the Minnesota official measures uh, got their uh, start in 1996, mm-hmm. and what it was is there was a there was a hodgepodge of measures throughout the state prior to that. Yeah, and um, and what it was is they they started to developing a record book back in the i think the late 70s okay and uh and then what happened was is they uh they a couple of these measures got together and said you know what there's too many mistakes in this record book way too many mistakes uh um mm-hmm. you know almost to the point where they were a little bit embarrassed by it you know, oh. because there was, you know, in the in the time there was limited uh, training for it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So a group of these measures got together uh, back. I think it was in 1995, sometime, and they got together in in one of these measures basements, and they decided to uh, to uh, you know kind of. Uh, stop the bleeding so what they did is any measure that was interested um actually uh they were going to retrain everybody okay yep. and uh and uh, make sure that everybody was on the same page mm-hmm. and uh it got to be that see at one time uh we want to get the most deer we can in this book as we can, because it was kind of a money making thing, you know, they got yep. money for these entries and whatnot. And, uh, in that meeting in that guy's basement, uh, they decided 
that's not the most important thing to us anymore. The important thing is, is to measure it as good as it can be. Perfection. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And uh, holy cow, what happened in a, just a little meeting in someone's basement, you would not believe how good we are. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are really good. You know, so mm -hmm. uh, it's just amazing that one guy had the foresight to say, you know what, uh, we've had enough of this. Uh, we're going to make it a, as good of a book as we can. Mm -hmm. And you would not believe uh, how that took off. It was just amazing. So a few years back, like the the Minnesota official measures, did didn't they buy the state the Minnesota state record book? Yes, uh, uh, Hugh Price. He was the organizer of the Deer Classic for many years, mm -hmm. and Hugh Pr Price uh, controlled the the record book or whatever, and. Uh, um, but you know, he was kind of getting up in age and whatnot, and he's kind of a Southern boy. So, uh, he was getting kind of sick of the Minnesota winters and he wanted to head South. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and this is kind of funny because, uh, uh, eventually I became the, the, uh, the mom president. Mm -hmm. so I was the yep. mom president for two years and, um, we, he, he, he put it in front of us at a meeting that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about selling this thing. And if we, if I sell it, um, um, I would like you guys to have it, but there's other, there's other interested parties. So, mm -hmm. uh, that's why I'm talking to you today. And, um, so we negotiated with overtime, but he never blurted out a price. And mm -hmm. uh, we thought maybe he was going to want an arm and a leg for us for it. And we just didn't know if we had the purchasing power to, to take it, you know? Yep. So yep. it was, uh, it was, Hugh Price, he had, uh, he had a knack of calling me at like 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> phone and ring and uh he was on the phone so yeah. one night he called me and he says well have you guys made a decision um uh on on the record book are you gonna buy it from me or what you know he kind of put me on the spot and you see uh any decision like that you know being the president um you know, the board has to approve it. Absolutely. You know, the, yep. the board of directors. So so I said, well, Hugh, uh, we're very interested in it, but we really never uh, negotiated a price. You know, so what kind of price are you talk are we talking here? And uh, he says, well, I have one. And then I, it was kind of funny. We, we both laughed over this. Uh, he asked me... Uh, uh, or I go, Hugh, do I have to sit down for this? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so he says, well, you know, really, not really, you know. So I said, okay, uh, give it to me. Uh, how much do you want for the record book? And at the t in that moment, I was thinking, well, he's going to say thirty thousand mm -hmm. dollars or something like that, and. 
there's no way we could afford that, you know? Right. It's a nonprofit. Yes. Yes. So, but, but I was, I was, uh, I was, uh, he still hadn't blurted it out and he goes, okay, this is what I want for it. And he goes, I want $8,000 for it. Wow. And I, and there was kind of a silence, you know, I didn't know what to say. And I said, you will take it. Mm-hmm. Take and I was just sweating bullets for, for after I said that I was just sweating bullets because, you know, usually that takes a, a, a board approval. And I, our, I just told them that we were going to take it. So, yep. uh, uh, but I figured God, for 8,000 bucks, you know, that's not even a used car. You know, so right. um, I said, you know what, we'll, we'll take it for that. We'll take it. So he says, good, you know, and I said, I'll run it by the board in the morning. And uh, after I did that, the next morning, I, I I didn't sleep very good last night worrying about that decision mm-hmm. and uh, ran it by the board, you know, via email and whatnot. And they just couldn't believe it either that that the price was so low. So, you know, uh, the rest is history. And uh, we, uh, you know, I thought Hughes books were, were, were beautiful and whatnot. They're very attractive, mm-hmm. but, but they were just, they were, you had to jump around in the book to find your, your, uh, to find your uh, uh, entry. Mm-hmm. You know, like he had archery and then, he, and then he had, in another section, he had firearm and it was just all jumped around. So when we took the book over, we, uh, we, uh, decided that we were going to do it by County. So like, if you shoot a deer in Scott County, Mm -hmm. you, you flipped, you flipped, uh, um, the, uh, you you just go to Scott County and yep. every trophy that's ever uh, was ever harvested in Scott County will be there. Okay. Yep. Every you know? every entry from Scott County is there. Yes. Yes. So if a bear, if a black bear was ever harvested in Scott County, it will be there. You don't have to go to a bear section or a moose section or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. all right there in different categories. So mm-hmm. uh, it was. Uh, and the rest is history. We're doing so well in that book, and it's just a beautiful book. You know, and beautiful, what, beautiful. what a lot of people don't know is it's it's not just a book full of numbers and names. There's there's a lot more to it than that. You know, I mean, there's some, isn't there some pictures and stories and stuff like that too, and and everything in there. Yes, yes. Uh, if we if we ever got like a top end. Uh, uh, deer or trophy, um, uh, we would, we would get an article, we'd post an article or get a store, get their story. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, yeah. Many, many stories in there. Um, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, in the record book that, you know, if you're looking for a measure, there's a page or two just for, so, so you, you had the measure's name, you had mm-hmm. their, you know, the phone number, email or whatever information's on there. Yep. So very easy, easy to use book. 
you know, it was, it's easy to find your trophy, easy mm-hmm. to find a measurer. Uh, they did well on these books. And, and to enlighten you, uh, we're just ready to, um, it's, in, I think it's at the publisher already. We're, we're just ready to put out our third edition of the record book. So that's saying that I'm thinking that's saying that we've had the book for about 10 years now. Oh yeah. Okay. uh, That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. And so what, what other books do you measure for, uh, Don? Well, I, I measure for the Boone and Crockett club, uh, and, uh, well, here's my story. I, I, uh, took my, I took my mom training, the Minnesota official measures training back in 1999. Mm-hmm. I got a letter in the mail saying, yep. And, uh, how they got my information is I was at the deer classic one year. I, I made kind of a, uh, it was kind of a tradition to go, go see all the big deer heads or whatever. And I came to the, there's just rows and rows. You can just weave in it. Uh, uh, on that floor and at the, one mm-hmm. of the end caps was the Minnesota official measures were there. And, you know, I didn't know these guys, but they're very good friends of mine now. And, uh, I go, well, what's this? And they go, well, we're the, we're a measuring organization. We measure the deer racks. In fact, we do the measuring here at the show. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I said, well, that'd be cool. Well, uh, he says, well, if you want to sign up, we, and they had a notebook right there. So I gave my name, address, phone number and about two years later they called they sent a, or they didn't call but they sent me a letter saying well we're having a training class and uh are you interested well you know what i couldn't write that check fast enough you mm-hmm. know so i filled out the application sent the check in it was gone in minutes wow so uh 1999 and then um in order to become a, a Boone and Crockett measurer, uh, you know, it's kind of a bad thing to say. This may, be not, uh, may not be the way to put it, but uh, it, I've heard someone say this where someone almost has to die or quit mm-hmm. for you to become a measurer. Because uh, I live in the town of Belle Plaine, and uh, there... The closest Boone and Crockett measure to me was up in Champlin, Minnesota, mm-hmm. or north, and at the time. And the closest one going south was Rochester. Okay. So, so I was uh, kind of geographically blessed uh, being where I was. Yeah. I was going to be accepted, but. If you get up in the Minneapolis area where there's a lot of people, if there was already 10 Boone and Crockett measures there, mm-hmm. you probably weren't going to be accepted because uh, there's just enough there. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, you know, it was – and so so 2008, I uh, I sent in an, an application prior to that, and it was probably about a year, and then they – they sent me a letter saying, uh, you've been accepted. So I, uh, filled that paperwork out, got set up there. And then, um, for my Pope and Young training, when I, that was in 2008. And then in 2009, um, Pope and Young was having a class or whatever. And, um, got invited to that. And that mm-hmm. was just down in Chatfield, Minnesota. That's where the Pope and Young 
um, headquarters is is in Chaplin, Champ, uh, <laughs> Chatfield, Minnesota. Yep, down in Chatfield. Yeah, yeah. I've, yes, I've, I've heard of that. Yeah. Now, uh, to to enlighten you about that is they um, they they sold their museum there. They still have an office there. So I think I heard through the grapevine that they're considering moving the headquarters down to like Missouri. Oh, okay. So it is leaving Minnesota, but I, but I got to stay at home actually for uh, for that training. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, so no, that's cool. What a, it's the best hobby in the world, really. If you hunt, you know, it's just cool. Yeah, that is really cool. You so, know, you know, and, like uh, as far as like, uh, measuring, you know, when you guys have like a, a deer classic, say in Minnesota or Iowa or, or Wisconsin bucks and bears, if you have any of those shows, you know, how how many trophy animals usually come in there every year for you people to measure or help measure? Uh, you know, it kind of varies sometimes because, uh, you know, uh, like you'll have a show in a populated area, but if, if they don't advertise it properly, you don't mm-hmm. you don't tend to to get as many. But if they do a good advertisement, uh, easily a couple hundred really trophies in a, in a weekend yep yep and then you'll will you see just about everything when you're there whether it be you know western game or moose or or you know bears you know just about everything or you what uh, are you guys yes yes uh the only difference is is um uh, uh the the like the minnesota deer classic they only want minnesota related deer Mm -hmm. at their at the show now now not that they can still bring a mule deer in to get it measured it's just they don't want they don't want uh colorado deer being displayed at the minnesota deer classic so you can bring it in to get measured but yes you you're correct uh we we get everything you know Mm -hmm. bighorn sheep and everything Wow. Uh, at these shows. So, yeah. That's uh, pretty cool. And like does your does your phone ever go off and then all of a sudden somebody has just this off the wall Alaskan or just an animal you've never even seen in your life that they're asking you to measure? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely because there's the and how how that happens is is see us Minnesota Measures, you know, it's white tails, black bear, moose, and now we've added the the elk to it. You know, mm-hmm. there's a heck of an elk herd up in Min- up in northern Minnesota now, mm-hmm. and uh, they're shooting some really good ones there. But yes, uh, uh, there's lots of Minnesota hunters that go out to, you know, go out to Wyoming or Colorado, and uh, you know, I've uh, there's only a few there's only a few categories that i haven't measured yet i haven't measured a stone sheep Mm -hmm. and a stone sheep is in my opinion is the crown jewel of measuring because uh the hunts are so expensive that you know really only the rich can maybe afford a trip Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. 
so so we don't see too much of that but yeah there's uh there's many i've measured it all i've really measured it all uh Uh, Like you take the muscots, you you, you might think, oh, I'll never measure one of those. Well, in one afternoon, I measured three of them. Really? Yeah. So, so yeah, there's Minnesota hunters that go everywhere to hunt. So uh, they bring their trophies back, and that's how we get the calls. Okay, yeah. So, like, uh, a simple little, for our listeners, you know, like like a simple school of measuring you know say for instance like uh let's just say minnesotan game like uh black bear or white-tailed deer you know um how how does that all go down or how what what do you use as a map uh as far as what uh like like uh how do you um how do you, how do you start measure you know like measuring the animal and then finish like do you use the score sheet oh, as a map or yep yep uh, I got a score sheet in front of me in fact you know just for reference uh, mm-hmm. uh, even though I can I can look at these things in my sleep and and know what they look like I've done so many mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah uh, the actually the score sheet is a map it, okay. It, uh, um, uh, here's a here's a big question. Uh, why do they call it G one? Okay, why do they call it a G one or a G two or a G three? Well, uh, uh, if you look at the score sheet, uh, A is number of points on the right side. B is is uh, tip to tip spread. C mm-hmm. is greatest spread. Mm-hmm. D is inside spread, and then why do we call it a G one? Is because that's G on the score sheet. Okay, and that's why yeah. like G ones and G twos are always named yep. what they are. Yeah. So so yeah. Uh, so so there's A B C D E F, and then when you get to G, you know you're you're measuring points. Okay. The G1s, G2s, G3s. So that's a huge question. Why do they call it a G1? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then, then you know, uh, so, so you know, like a white tail, I, I, that's what I measure the most of. So, so mm-hmm. I don't really even have to look at the score sheet to, to, uh, to measure white tail. You know, I can just mm-hmm. go, okay, this is what I've got to do next. This is what I'm going to do next. Mm-hmm. But now let's say there's a, a caribou that comes to my home. Well, you know what? I, if I don't measure caribou every day, I know yep. how to measure them, but I don't measure them every day. So, so when I get the caribou in front of me, I go, okay, what's a, and I, and a tells me what I do, what I do. So on a caribou, I just follow the map. It's the score sheet is a map. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah. So, so, uh, you know, and that's the cool thing about measuring is you don't have to keep all this stuff in your head. You know, mm-hmm. you just don't. Uh, um, the um, here's a good, here's a good question. Now we have a, a measures manual that we have, and we mm-hmm. carry it around with us all the time wherever we go measuring. And uh, I heard a guy one time say, "Well, you know, how good of a measurer are you if you have to go back to the manual?" You know mm-hmm. what? But 
to get the manual out is encouraged. Yeah. They encourage you to get the manual out if you have a question. Mm-hmm. Because because if you go to the manual, it's it uh it guarantees that it's gonna be done properly. Mm-hmm. So uh so, there, so there. yeah, and then so so you just go it and the it get, you know, you got the G ones, G twos, and then uh, the the H's are the circumferences, and that you know they're the last uh, measurements you take on like a white tail. Mm-hmm. So you take your circumference measurements uh, in the end, and and then you know you just uh, you know you just when you get all all your measurements taken taken are written down, you you add them all up, and uh, you just follow the. You follow the map, and eventually you get to a final score. Mm-hmm. And some of, some of those, I would I would have to imagine that there's there's a time and a place where it gets extremely difficult, and uh, a few heads need to be involved on some of these measuring. Uh, Abs- absolutely, uh, <laughs> many many times, you know, like. Uh, Especially on whitetails, when they when they get going like non-typical or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you have to determine what's a, a, a typical point. You also got to separate the the non-typical points from that rack. And then mm-hmm. you know, there's there's places on the score sheet that you put that you write down the typical uh, numbers and where you put the non-typical numbers. And mm-hmm. uh, and you'll. I've I've seen it where there's a rack on a table and you got eight measures around because there's some judgment call or or it's a, it's it could go either way uh, is that a typical point or is it a non-typical point mm-hmm. and I've had I've seen it where there's eight measures sitting around that rack looking at it and and eight different opinions on how you would do it really yep yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, but if, if you ever get into that difficult of a situation where you just don't know or, or don't want to make that decision, well, you know what it is? Uh, you take a picture of it and you send it to another measure or 10 other measures. And a lot of times you, you'll come up with a, if you're in your home measuring, mm-hmm. you'll someone will, you can usually come up with that answer, um, so you're you're so you're doing it properly, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but many many judgment calls that you have to make, and uh, you know what the really the right answer is is if someone brings me a trophy animal and it it has a judgment call that I have to make on it. Yeah. The the correct answer is, or the correct yeah the correct answer is. Um the one i make that's the correct thing to do yeah yeah so i mean if you're yeah because of your experience and and whatnot yes yep yep Yep. and then if it just gets to be too difficult (coughs) the boone and crockett or the pope and young they encourage you to give them a call you know how would you do this oh okay a lot of times the answer comes from there too. So mm-hmm. uh, you're re- you're really never alone if you need to make a decision. You, there's usually someone not too far away that can help you with that. Oh wow! Yeah, that's so, that's cool. I mean, it, it's good to know that you got people in your back pocket. You know, 
Yep, yep. Mm. And and it goes back to our conversation earlier that, you know, in that guy's basement, they decided, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna measure all these racks correctly from now on. Mm-hmm. And like I say, if if there's a rack at a show that has a judgment call, you know what? They at the Minnesota Deer Classic, there's thirty other guys probably in that room mm-hmm. that you can say, Hey, why don't you guys come over here? Uh let me let's discuss how we would measure this and usually um, seven or eight guys will make that decision. Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is how you got to do it, and then you just you just run with it. And the the stuff you guys run into is just unbelievable sometimes. Because I was at a deer classic with you one time, and and I watched you measure a Pope and Young six pointer. Just just some of the weird stuff that you that you run into, and just oh. uniqueness. Absolutely. Uh, I, I've seen, you know, you know, there'll be a giant six pointer where the, where the base circumferences are seven or eight inches. They're just that big of a deer, but they only sprout at six points, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're looking at that deer and you, you know, you're just in awe of it because it it is a true trophy, Mm -hmm. but you know, it just doesn't have 10 points or 12 points like the Milo Hansen deer mm-hmm. has, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so some of them deer are really special when, uh, when they grow that big and then they only have three points on each side. <laughs> yeah. you know? That's pretty cool. And then I think I was up there one year and there was a deer that had a sign underneath and it said it was unmeasurable. It didn't have mean yeah. beams or something like that. It was, it was just, it was almost like there was a, gosh, like a, like, like a plant growing out of its head. It was, it was really unique. Yeah. They, they sometimes call them like cactus bucks. Oh, okay. For some reason they call them cactus bucks. And, uh, and, and the reason that it was unmeasurable is, you know, it might have had scorable points and whatnot, mm-hmm. but if there isn't a defi- defined uh, main beam mm-hmm. or something like that, well, then you can't, you know, you can't, uh, um, you know, you can't measure it if there isn't a isn't a beam, you know, like, but you can measure a spike where there's just two points coming out of the top, mm-hmm. and, uh, but. But on a spike, uh, the spike is the main beam. That you know, yeah. those two spikes yep. are the main beam. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, it's just funny how they measure a spike. But um, yeah, yeah. But they can still do it. But if there isn't a, I think on that one you're talking about, it, it, it didn't have any de- defined main beam. Not at all. So it just was Im- unmeasurable. Right. So, uh, but real unique though. Yeah. Yeah. What a conversation piece, uh, you would have if you had shoulder mounted deer like that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a conversation piece that you could just talk forever about, you know? Yeah. So, uh, that, um, any, do you, do you have any like unique stories about, uh, a measuring, like just a very off the wall, unique story? at all yeah yeah i do uh uh well uh, to enlighten you uh in the in the news just recently um uh, they they talked about this unicorn buck that someone shot 
it, it wasn't in Minnesota, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But someone shot a unicorn buckboard. There was actually a third beam coming right out in the middle of the other two beams, you know, and mm-hmm. there was just a point coming out. And, uh, to, you know, they said, oh, it's a rare thing or whatever. Well, I've been measuring for nearly 25 years now, and mm-hmm. I've measured about three of them. Oh, okay. You know, so they happen, but, but they are rare. You know, they, uh, hmm. uh, uh, it's quite, it, it, you know, there's quite a conversation in the measuring room when you got one of those in there. You oh, know? I bet. Uh, but, but one of the most unique measuring stories I ever had, and, and it, it's amazing that you asked this question and, and because I didn't even have to think about it. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a guy, he was up in northern Minnesota, and he shoots this really nice buck. So so he calls me on the phone. He gives me a phone call. He says, yeah, Don, I was up north last week, and I uh, I uh, shot this big buck, and someone told me that I should get it measured. And I said, well, absolutely. Uh, and, uh, and he says, I realized that uh, we... Uh, it has to wait 60 days, but he says, you know what? I just can't wait. I can't wait. I, I have to know what it is. So, so I said, well, tell you what. And he was just over in Jordan, Minnesota. So I said, you know what? You're not too far away. So we'll, I'll do that for you. So we set up a time to, um, to, uh, to measure it. And, um, uh, no, uh, what it was is we used to, our hunting party, this is back when I, I hunted with a shotgun. Our mm-hmm. hunting party usually hunted the 3B season. So it was the second season, the later season in mm-hmm. zone three. Yeah. And uh, so so it got, you know, uh, the... It was, it was over, it was the Saturday before Thanksgiving is when the season always started. Oh, so, okay. So, so it got to be that Friday night and we were going hunting the next morning. So, so I'm, um, I'm, uh, I get in bed and, you know, you don't sleep very good anyway when you, uh, when you're going hunting the next day, but no, not I was really. laying in bed, tossing <laughs> and drinking. It was midnight. At midnight, I the phone rings. My phone rings, and mm-hmm. and when you get a, that call at midnight, you know it's a lot of times it's never good news. Mm-hmm. So, so I answer and I go hello, and and he and it's this guy from Jordan, and he goes Dan, Dan, you know, and you could just tell you had a few. Yeah, he says Dan, are you still gonna measure that deer for me? And I, and I go well, absolutely. Uh, we'll we'll figure out a time we'll, I'll get over there and we'll measure it. And uh, he says, yeah, because I got some buddies over and, and we're talking about my deer and uh, and uh, we'll, um, you know, I'd sure like to know what that, uh, what it scores. And I said, well, okay, you know, uh, maybe next week we'll, uh, we'll take care of that. And he goes, next week? And I go, well, yeah. Um, and he goes, <laughs> This is the funny part of it. Is it's, uh, he goes, "What are you doing right now?" <laughs> so this is midnight. It's midnight. Yeah. <laughs> so he wanted me to come over and and uh, measure the deer for him in front of his buddies and whatnot. And uh, and I told him, I said, "You know what? If I wasn't getting 
up to go hunting in the morning, I said, I would come over, you know? Mm -hmm. So just crazy. You know, the guy calls me at midnight uh, wondering <laughs> if I could measure his deer. <laughs> you know, so uh, that one I'll talk about for quite a while. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm so, glad I wasn't that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, things like that happen. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it's just a, uh, I don't know. I, I'm certain there's many, many, many stories I could tell you, but uh, I think you told me earlier we only have about an hour. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, I, yeah, I can always take a short break and then uh and then start oh, up yeah, again yeah. but uh, uh anyway um i guess i was gonna ask you another question about well well you know you know what but don maybe we'll just take a short break here um and Alrighty. we'll be right back after a minute and uh then we'll talk a little bit more with don you betcha Welcome back, everybody. I got done here. We had a little break. And now we're getting back into this. And you know what? Don and I were talking a little bit on the break. And, and you know what? He's got another story about a measuring story. Don, could you, could you give us that one? Okay. Uh, this was really funny. Uh, I, I, was, I was a new measurer. Mm -hmm. you know, so, so, uh, and it was at the deer classic one year, I think in my first year, because I, I started measuring, I took my class like in 1999 and I think the 2000 deer classic was the very first, uh, measuring show I ever went to. So, oh, okay. uh, 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 so I took my training in, in July and in, in March, I, I finally, had the guts to go to a, go to a measuring show. So, so I show up at the deer classic and, you know, I'm looking around and, and the only person I knew was the guy, my instructor, mm -hmm. one of the, one of the, uh, Dave Bolin was his name. And, uh, he, uh, he was there. So I recognized him. And then there was one other guy that was from my class mm -hmm. that, that was there. So, and so we get there and we, we're in the measuring room or whatever, and it's just me and this guy, you know, we didn't know anybody. And, um, everybody's whipping around, getting, uh, you know, getting all the tables set up or whatever. And, uh, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, so, so we're standing there and you see at the deer classic, uh, I think they, on Friday, they open the doors at like two or three o'clock in the afternoon. But they start accepting trophies, I think, at noon. Oh so, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So yep. so we can we can get a lot of these heads out on the floor before they open up the doors. So mm -hmm. uh, it's a good thing. Uh, anyway, me and this guy stand in there. Everybody's setting up tables, and all of a sudden, uh, I hear a "Hey!" You know, and I, we look across the room, and there's uh, there's this measurer that uh, that. You know, very good friend of mine now, but I just didn't know him at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he uh, he says, "Well, if you're gonna be if you're gonna be here, you might as well start measuring." So so I said, "Absolutely." So you know, we we set up at a table or whatever, 
And he goes, here, follow me. So he took, he led us back to where the, they were lining up the rack. So, you know, you just grabbed the first one and you went. Mm-hmm. So, so there's, there's a, there's a front room measuring room and there's a back measuring room at the state fairgrounds there. And mm-hmm. we were in the, uh, in the back room. Well, in that doorway, right inside the doorway is where, you know, you could go right there and grab a rack. Well, this guy grabs a rack and it's a, it's an eight pointer, but it's a nice deer or whatever. And he hands it to the, to the other guy and he turns around and he grabs the next rack and he goes here. And I look at it and I go, it's, it's like a 26.9 typical. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And, and I looked at him and I go, well, you know, I can't, you know, this is my first show, you know, could, can't you uh, give me something a little easier? <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he looks at me and he goes, well, if you're going to be a measure, I, he says, eventually you're going to run into something like this. You might as well, you know, get at it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I grabbed it. And, uh, so, so I started measuring it and whatnot. And, uh, all of a sudden my instructor, you know, Dave Bolin, he's our most, um, to enlighten you, we have about 40 Boone and Crackle measures in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, Dave's about, I think he just turned 83 years old. Okay. And at one time back in the seventies, Dave was the only Boone and Crackle measure in the state. Wow. So. So we've come a long way. So so I'm measuring this big non-typical, mm-hmm. sweating bullets. My heart's just pounding. And Dave comes up behind me, and he goes, holy cow, that thing's Boone and Crockett. Uh, he's, you know, and he knew I was an apprentice. Yeah. So he goes, when you get done with that rack, he says, you go put it. And he had a desk. He had a table up in the front room. He says, "You bring that over to my my table when when you're done with it." And I just grabbed it and you know, uh, I said, "Well, why don't you take it now?" And he goes, "No, no, no. You you measure it. Mm-hmm. Just give it to me when when you're done." So I said, "All right." So I I continue to me- measure it, and now I was. I was in the spotlight because I go, golly, you know, uh, I have to measure this and now he's going to measure it. So now he's going to know how poorly I did on it. If I was going to do poorly on it, Mm -hmm. I go, this is not good, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So I measure it or whatever, and I have my score sheet or whatever, and um, I bring it over to his desk. Mm -hmm. And when I drop it off he was sitting there and he goes well he says where's where's the score sheet and i go well i i didn't really want you to see my score sheet yeah (laughs) he says no bring it over you know so so i said all right here it is so then i i i was just i just that was going through my mind i go god i they're gonna ask me to leave if i did terrible on that so uh so I grab another rack eventually, and I'm measuring or whatever. About, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes later, I, there's a tap on my shoulder, and I turn, and it's Dave Bowling. And I go, all right, Dave. I said, how bad did I do on it? And he looks at me, and he goes, you know what? 
I'm here to tell you how well you did on it. And, really? uh, and at the time, I didn't know what minimums were. You know, there's minimum scores to uh, qualify for these record books. Well, I got, when on my score sheet, it said 194 and 7 eighths, non-typical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I didn't know, but I didn't know because the minimum for the all-time book for a non-typical was 195. 195, so I was an eighth less. Really? Yeah, it was an eighth less. But I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. So, so um, you know, I asked him, well, how bad did I do on it? And he goes, well, no, you did wonderfully on it. Uh, and so he remeasured it, and he was comparing it to my scores because when he came back, he showed me where the differences were that mm-hmm. we had between us. And he, I got 194 and 70s, and he measured it at 195 and 78s. So we were only an inch difference on that whole deer. Really? Yep. And you know what? After that experience, everything was easy. Really? Because I go, you know what? I, I did so well on that. Don, you, you, you got it made, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, so after that, everything seems so easy after that, you know, so, uh, just an experience that, uh, that will stick in my mind until the day I'm gone, uh, <laughs> uh, because let's say I would have just miserably failed on it where I just didn't measure it very mm-hmm. good. Well, mm-hmm. you know what? That could have been the end of my career right there. You know, I could have said, ah, I'm not any good at this. I'm just not going to do it anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, so my career started out really well. That sounds uh, like a really good experience. Yes. Yes, yes. And then to add a little bit of a story to that first, uh, first deer classic is mm-hmm. I was measuring a rack and a guy came up to me and he goes, he goes, what's your name? And I go, uh, I go, well, Don Mager, I'm one of the new guys. And he goes, what do you got in the record book? And I go, I smile came to my face and I go, well, you know what? I don't have anything in the record book. You mm-hmm. know, I said, I just have a passion for this. Mm-hmm. And he looks at me and he goes, hmm. And he walks away. so you know it's just like oh (laughs) then i started wondering do you have to have a a a trophy deer in this record book to be a measure i (laughs) i actually asked that question and and they go no no but he just thought it odd that um that i didn't have anything in the record book and i still wanted to be a measure so oh uh, yeah well like i said you're as far as measures goes, you're one of the most passionate ma- measures that I've ever met. Yeah, well, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a great hobby, you know. If, <laughs> yeah. if you deer hunt, you get you get to hold some trophy, trophy, trophy uh, deer in your hand. In fact, in fact, you allowed me to do that one night. <laughs> you shot a, a couple years back at Camp Ripley. Oh so, man, wow! I, you know, like I, I like to tell everybody, you know, the sun shines on a dog's ass every now and then, and that was my yeah, moment. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, 
but you can't you can't get one sitting on the couch. No, no. Uh, that's no. a pretty lucky guy. That was in you know, Don selflessly traveled all the way to my place in Hutchinson from where he lives. Uh just just to help me out with that. So that was awesome. Yeah, well, it was uh after I seen the pictures I I had to come. <laughs> <laughs> of that deer. Wow. I just had to get my hands on it. So uh yeah, thank that... you for that call. Oh, thank you for measuring it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the one thing I guess we didn't get into and uh I know Tony spoke about this a little bit last week he had tim measure his deer and i was gonna you you guys do this for free you know this measuring yes and that is that is awesome i mean people don't know that until they get something measured yes and and you know what's funny about it is uh you know uh you know you said you do this for free. That's awesome. Well, you can use the word stupid if you want, you know? <laughs> <laughs> because because uh, I the number of uh, my dad was an electrician by trade. We lost him a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, the argument we always had about me go, doing this is that he just thought if you provided a service, you should get paid for it. Mm-hmm. You know. And, uh, it, you know, I, but dad, he worked all the time. So, you know, uh, he figured he had to be working all the time. You know, if, uh, I just think if you have a passion about anything, Mm -hmm. anything, you should not even think of the cost of it. Mm -hmm. If it's what your passion is. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there's guys that, that load the snowmobiles up every weekend and they go out to northern Michigan and snowmobile for the weekend. You know what? Mm-hmm. They're not making any money doing that. No. But it's their passion that they do it, you know? Absolutely. So uh, so that was the argument with me and my dad all the time. He just thought I should get paid for this. And uh, and I, I just said, you know, uh, they're, uh, they're bringing in big deer racks to me and there ain't nothing better than that right Uh, right uh, oh i hear that and uh you know one thing i'd like to uh since we're on this subject though is that uh this is a big misconception in the measuring world uh a lot of times someone will will approach me or give me a call or email me about measuring a, a a trophy for them and the the number one question is is how much does it cost to do it, Don? Mm-hmm. And the answer is it doesn't cost you anything to get it measured. To get it measured, it's free. Mm-hmm. The only difference, the only cost there is, is if it if it qualifies for any record book, there's an issuing fee for that. Yeah, and to get to get in about in the book. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. and none of the money co- goes to me. Uh, we we can't accept money to yep. do this. I, I get it a lot. Well, God, you came over here to Jordan to measure my deer, and uh, God, I got to give you something, you know. Mm-hmm. But but we can't accept uh, we can't accept any money for it because and when am I 
at my uh so so what i want to bring out of this is it's free you know you don't it, it doesn't cost you anything bring your deer rack over to me i'll measure it for you you know mm-hmm. uh, um and uh but the way they they uh explain that in our boone and crockett training is that the boone and crockett would be a hundred percent okay um if if i had to drive over to jordan they would be okay if if the guy would uh would give me 10 bucks for gas Mm -hmm. they would uh, they even said that you know we we would be okay with that Mm -hmm. but they they said Anytime you add money to the equation, it corrupts it. Yes. So he, they said, that's why we can't have you accepting money mm-hmm. to do this. You know, uh, uh, I, I, there may be measures out there like that, but let's say a measure is uh, um, measuring a giant white tail. Mm-hmm. And and all of a sudden the trophy owner slides a fifty dollar bill in front of him and says, "Here, add a few inches to that." Now now there may be measures that do that, you know mm-hmm. I don't know, but but that's why they don't want money involved. Is that, uh, you know, you just go there, measure it up, and uh, and uh, send it into us. Uh, you you know really. Uh, we're, we're not supposed to get too emotional over any trophy animal, even though my heart's pounding a hundred miles an hour when it's a giant, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but, but as far we're not supposed to get too emotional. We're, we're just go and measure the deer and send that entry to us. So yeah. Yeah. It kind of keeps it simple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I guess, that's pretty cool to know, and those of us who, you know, well, I'm I'm not very good at it, but those of us who shoot trophy animals, I really appreciate the service that you guys do. Well, we appreciate that too, you know, uh, uh, but there's so many trophy, trophy animals that are, that are down in people's basements or out laying on the shelf in the barn. There's... Mm-hmm so many of them out there yet that need to be measured mm-hmm. and um, uh, it's kind of our job to get those uh, uh, if we get a tip that someone's got a big buck uh, we're supposed to kind of investigate that a little bit oh you know, uh, okay yeah you know, get them deer out of the basement and get them in in a record book where they belong mm-hmm. uh, um you know, another thing I'd, I'd like to cover is, is uh, you know, there there are some measures that are are they're kind of high pressure. They if they come to your house to to measure a deer for you, not getting paid for it or anything, uh, they want you to put it in the record book. You know, if you uh, there's might be some of them that even say, I'm not even going to come if you don't put it in the record book. So, um, me personally, I, I just love measuring so much that. Uh, I'm not too high pressure. I'm hoping that they do in the end, mm-hmm. but I'm not high pressure. I, I, sometimes it's a, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll shoot a deer that, uh, it's a bull kill and it, and it qualifies for the Boone and Crockett also, you know, so mm-hmm. now they got, 
they got Pope and Young, Boone Crockett, and the Minnesota record book to think about. And then they're thinking, wow, you know, how much is that? Well, it would be, <laughs> it's 40 for the Boone and Crockett, it's 40 for the Pope and Young, and it's 20 for the, so that's 100 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Now, 100 bucks isn't life-changing money, but uh, but there's some people out there that, you know, they go, ah, you know, I don't know if I could, I want to put that 100 bucks there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I, I usually what I'll tell them is if, if you're, if you have to think about if you're going to, if you want to spend the money to do this, tell you what, uh, there's no pressure on you right now. I got the score sheet, the the deer's already measured. Mm -hmm. And in six months, if you decide, you know what, Don, I, I, I want to put that in the Minnesota record book now, Mm -hmm. uh, we can do that, you know? So it doesn't have to be on the spot. Uh, you can do after it's measured. Uh, you can do it anytime you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so you know, uh, there's high pressure measures, but not me. I uh, I just let let the trophy owner decide uh, what they want to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever run into like uh, like? any illegal activity or is this somebody that you suspected was a, was like a poacher or anything? Well, I measured a deer at a show one time and, and it was, it was a, it was a bull kill that, that was also qualified for the Boone and Crockett. And, and I got to measure it. And, uh, I think at the time it was the biggest typical whitetail I ever measured at the mm-hmm. time. And the guy was a, he was a, I think he was a either a county sheriff's deputy or he was a state patrol. I forget. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, so I'm, I'm, you know, we're at the show or whatever, and they they're displaying all the trophy heads or whatever, and this head's on the wall, and uh, there were two guys sitting there looking at it, and he goes, "Well, who scored that one?" And I go, "Well, but." coincidentally i measured it beautiful buck isn't it and he goes well do you hear the story behind behind that deer and i go well no you know in fact the guy wasn't even there he just dropped the deer off Mm -hmm. so uh so they go well we heard that you see he's a what's a state patrol or whatever it was and uh i we heard that um he he bull hunted or whatever, and we heard that that deer was a roadkill, mm-hmm. and he put his bull tag on it. Oh, we, that's what we heard, you know. So so that now I'm thinking, well, God, you know, I don't know. I was kind of worried about it, and uh, um, so. We we were we've always been told as measures that you know we're not the judge jury and executioner we're uh, so um, if we're here to measure that deer you know yeah. so so what we what we're told is if someone brings a deer to your house you measure it you fill out the paperwork and if it if if it arises after that that there's there was some illegal activity um, 
taken to harvest that deer, then yep. you 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 hand it over to the authorities. That's all the more involved we want you to get. Okay. Uh, yep. Yep. So so getting back to the story, it was a state patrol or whatever, and these guys said he that was a roadkill, and he put his bow tag on it. That's that's what we heard. Oh. So. So I'm, a, you know, I have to stay out of that. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I'm, I, uh, the guy, he, he dropped it off of the show. I never, never seen the guy. So, so what we did is we, uh, uh, I sent him a fair chase affidavit in the mail and uh, he filled it out. And then in order to do that, he has to get like a notary to, to, to uh, stamp that, you mm-hmm. know, before he sends it back to me. So we went, yep. we went through all the correct channels to, and uh, 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 a field photo isn't. It, you don't. It's nice if you can give me a field photo, but mm-hmm. if if you don't have one, it's no big deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't yep. need a. Field photo, but the Boone Crockett or the Pope and Young would like one. Mm-hmm. So um, to ease my mind of that trophy, I I demanded that he sent me a field photo. Oh, okay. So I talked to him on the phone. I said, "Yep, I I absolutely need a field photo." And you know what? He sent me one. Oh, he did. Yeah. So so that just eased my mind on that on that yeah. on that deer. You know, uh, mm-hmm. this deer was harvested with a bow, you know, so I don't mm-hmm. know what those guys are talking about. Well, there's but, word around the campfire always spreads bad. Oh, absolutely. And there's jealousy and oh, all that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, that eased my mind on that. But but to enlighten you uh, about illegal activity, that's all the more involved. If, if I feel a deer was illegally taking, taken, then I, I just... Uh, pass that information to the to the dnr mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and then i don't i can stay anonymous and uh, let them deal with it yeah yeah, yeah. so uh so but that, you know really as far as illegal activity that's about the only as close as i've ever come mm-hmm. um, to uh but but it was all legit he had a field photo many field photos he sent me so that's cool uh, yeah, so uh, that was a legit deer, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm glad for it. It was a beautiful buck, beautiful oh, buck. Yeah. Um. Well, anyway, uh, about a year ago, gosh darn it, you sent me a picture of a slammer that you shot. Now, you know what? Our listeners would really like to hear the story behind this buck because... On the Facebook, we're going to be showcasing that photo uh, right after I post this podcast. So, Don, could you tell tell us a little story about that great big buck you shot last year? I certainly will. Uh, I, I I don't I don't know how many million times I uh, I've told it, but I'll tell it one more time. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, so. Uh, we were fortunate because uh, our uh, hunting party kind of lost our uh, our the land that we hunted on for twenty five years, mm-hmm. and it, and it was nothing that we did wrong, uh, but uh, 
the landowner and his wife uh, started figuring out what the liability was of inviting people onto your property, letting them get and climb up in trees and them falling out of a tree or something and breaking their neck and suing them. You know, there was just a huge liability um, there. So they decided, you know what, you guys can hunt one more year and then uh, we got to end it. So, so, um, so then, you know, you, you lose your hunting land and, and you're going, ah, you know, where, where am I going to hunt now? You know? So, uh, but, so that happened like, uh, like in the, in the fall and we got to hunt one more year. And then after hunting season was over, we were going, well, uh, we got to find a new place to hunt or whatever. Well, um, my son's getting married. My son, Jason's getting married in, uh, May, and the girl he's marrying owns a farm out by Blakely. Oh, okay. You know now, uh, so what it is is, uh, uh, he goes, you know what, Dad? I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to my future brother-in-law because he he kind of took over the the home place from his parents. His parents just kind of moved off the farm, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and uh, so he says, I'll talk to. I'll talk to my future brother-in-law and see if, see if you guys can hunt out here. And uh, so so they negotiated a little bit. Well, in fact, I think it was at Christmas time when they got together. They mm-hmm. negotiated a little bit. And uh, the, the, the plan was is, uh, they didn't have any bow hunters on the land, but they, but they, they had a big bunch of people that shotgun hunted. So the, the deal was, is we, they'll, they'll allow you to come bow hunting out here, but then for about two weeks, they, they wanted us off like a week before the hunt season started Yeah. to let everything calm down. And then during that nine day season, we couldn't come bow hunting out there, but once they were done, we could come out bow hunting again. So, yeah. um, uh, so that was the deal and we took it and, uh, so, so we get out there and we're looking at the land and we set up a few stands and, uh, and, uh, started bow hunting or whatever. And it, it was like, I died and went to heaven because, uh, we hunted the land we hunted on, there were deer out there, you know, but you'd sit there for three, four days in a row and not see a deer. Mm-hmm. So. So we get out to this new hunt land or whatever, and we set up some stands. I start bow hunting, and I was seeing 8, 10, 12, 20 sometimes deer a day. Wow. You know? So, you know, I just can't believe this, you know? So um, now the the antler brain that I am um, I did not shoot a deer that year because I, I told myself, I said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not a trophy hunter, but I want to see one good buck before I start throwing arrows. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm hunting and I'm passing up all these big does or whatever and spikes and, and four corns and, um, uh, but nothing big, nothing big. And, uh, you know, I talked to the landowner and he says, oh, yeah, there's a couple big ones out here. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of them here and probably a couple that I don't even know about, you know. So yep. 
So I said, well, I just want to get my eyes on one of those. Not that I had to harvest it. So um, I, I bet you I had my bow drawn on a, the time, by the time it started to, when I actually seen a big buck, I bet you I had my bow drawn on well over 100 deer. Really? When the deer comes by, I'll draw the bow. And even though I'm not going to shoot it, you know, I'll just put the sights on them. It's good practice. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was hunting and I I had a stand location that was really good. Um, And then, but then what, by the time they seen the big buck, um, they were taking the corn out. Mm -hmm. So now, instead of the corn being five yards in front of me, it was 60 yards out there, the edge of the corn. Well, that's when I started seeing the big bucks. Oh. You know, so mm-hmm. then it was too far to shoot. So uh, so I was sitting in the stand one day, and uh, I'm looking out, and I it was numerous times the deer were coming out of this spot in the woods. Well, mm-hmm. the Wednesday before I shot my buck, I... I was sitting in the stand location I was at, and there, over time, there were 15 deer that were standing right out in this one spot along mm-hmm. the woods. They were coming out of the woods there. So, but way too far. That yeah. A couple of football fields away where these deer were, well, from where I was. Oh. Well, then uh, he... I, you know, I got home and I, there were 15 deer standing in that area that night. And I called my oldest son, Matthew, and uh, I said, you know what? We got to put a stand over there somewhere. We got to get a stand over there. Um, so he says, uh, well, and this was a Wednesday or Wednesday night. So he says, well, tell you what, uh, Saturday morning, we'll get a stand over there. Mm-hmm. So, so Saturday morning came, uh, we, we didn't hunt because we were going to go put that stand out there. So we put the, we put the, uh, we moved the stand over there, found a good place, trimmed everything up that morning. And Saturday evening, I hunt, I got up in that stand and I was hunting. Well, to my disappointment, didn't even see a deer. I go, you, you got to be kidding me. You know, I seen 15 deer here on Wednesday and I didn't see one, you know, mm-hmm. so a little bit discouraged. So, uh, so, and then, uh, see my son, Matthew, my daughter, Brittany, and I, um, were hunting that afternoon. Well, then Sunday morning, we all went back out mm-hmm. and, uh, got in our stands. I got in that stand. We just put in there. Now I had no, I knew this deer was there because of the landowner telling me, yeah, there's a couple big bucks out here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never, we didn't have my trail camera and nothing. So, so Sunday morning I, I get out there, I climb up in that stand and I'm uh, looking around and, you know, and uh, right behind the stand there, there's a big gully. It's kind of a branch off the big ravine mm-hmm. behind me. And I heard some rustling behind me, and I said, "Well, God, they're they're walking, they're coming through on the other side of this little gully here." So mm-hmm. what I did is I stood up and I I grabbed my bow, 
uh, hooked up the release to the string and I, and I turned because, uh, at that point, if they were on the edge of that little gully on the other side, it would have been about a 40 yard shot. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, if they're close enough, I can still take that shot. Yeah. So I'm looking and looking and I kind of, I go, well, I'm here. Where are they? I said, I, I'm hearing, I can hear them walking, but where are they? Well, I'm looking around and I look down and there's like three squirrels chasing each other. You know, <laughs> and they were just making such a commotion. It sounded like a couple of deer walking through, you know, uh-huh. you, you've been in that situation. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So anyway, so, so at that point, I'm already on my feet. I got a, I got my release hooked up to the string and, and to go back a little bit, the, at that point of the season, um, all I want, I, I was just looking for a nice deer to shoot. I didn't want to shoot a little deer, but if it was a big goal, I'll, I'll take her today. Mm-hmm. Was, that was kind of in my mind. Yep. So, so I, after dealing with the, seeing the squirrels, I turn around on my stand, I'm on my feet. And I, out of the corner of my eye, I see some movement coming out of the, out of the steep ravine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I looked and I go, oh, geez, that's a, that's a nice deer. So I drew my bow back and this deer walks. And when I first seen it, it was probably 40, 45 yards away. Mm-hmm. And it's about quarter eight in the morning. And it's a little bit inside the woods. It's still a little bit dim, you know, it's mm-hmm. getting light, but, uh, so, so the, I can, this deer's walking, I drew my bow right away and, uh, the deer came up to about 25 yards and stopped. Now at this point, I hadn't seen any antlers yet. Yeah. So he stopped and, and I'm trying to run it in through my mind, how this whole thing, how long did it last? And it couldn't have been a minute, you know, mm-hmm. from where I seen him where i shot him so so then he came to about 25 yards and he stopped and i still hadn't seen any antlers and then when he started walking again that's when i seen the antlers oh boy but but by that time yeah and by that time i had the bow drawn mm-hmm. and uh and he he kept walking and walking and uh uh the the farm that I hunt on, they do maple syrup. So mm-hmm. they, so there's all these maple syrup lines going through the woods. Mm-hmm. And what it is is there's all these little, uh, little brand, uh, tubes going into a big line. So, so uh, they run the the trees into a big line, and then mm-hmm. this this big line runs the syrup sap to the to the big tank. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Uh, so what it was is there there was a little intersection there that this deer walked up to and he stopped because he I think he was thinking, do I go underneath it or do I jump over it? The syrup line. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he stopped there, I had the pin on him and I and I shot and um and to enlighten everybody, I think I said this earlier, but it, my very first deer ever with a bow. Mm-hmm. And I, I let the, I let the arrow go and, uh, the, the light at night took off with the deer. So I knew that the deer was, the, the arrow was in the deer, but mm-hmm. he was gone so fast. I didn't know if I had a good hit on him 
And my first experience, I didn't know what to, at that point, I didn't know what to do. Do I, if I, all I, all I know was I, people say, you got to stay in the stand for an hour. You got to give them an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, always a good idea. uh, What's that? That's always a good idea. Yeah. 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 It's kind of rule number one, give them an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, nothing's going to hurt that deer in an hour. Well, um, I was sitting in the stand and I, I could hear this, this deer crashing, you know, he was just, I could, you know, and, and at that point I thought, well, it's, that's a good sign. If, if he's still here and, and he's crashing, that means he's struggling, you mm-hmm. know, he's struggling out there, you know? So that was, um, uh, that was my thoughts. And then, mm-hmm. so I'm sitting there, sitting there and I could, I could hear him walking around and, um, but then I started getting worried. I said, well, you know, he should be, you know, at this point, if it's a good hit, he should be on the ground already. And he was kind of walking around. And then, uh, then for just an instant, I was looking out and I, and I saw him again. Yeah. I saw him again. And then he instantly disappeared again. And, uh, then I really got worried, you know, so, so I waited another 20, 25 minutes or whatever, but then I couldn't hear anything. So, Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't make it the whole hour. It was about 45 minutes and I got down and, uh, to enlighten you, I'm kind of colorblind to a steer, a blood trail. Oh, okay. Uh, My wife can see a blood trail. But uh, if you show me the spot of blood on the ground, I can see it. But mm-hmm. to say there's a drop, there's a drop, there's a drop, I, I'm colorblind to that. Okay. So, uh, so I didn't want to step all over. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to walk the path that the deer took. So I, I circled around and I, and I headed in that direction. And I, about 60 yards ahead of me, there, there was a little uh, gully it wasn't very it wasn't very deep but it was steep mm-hmm. you know it just kind of came straight up and i got to the edge of that and i i go well he's got to be in there if he's got to be in this gully well when i got there i looked i looked down in the gully looked both ways as far as i could see and there was no deer then i got really worried mm-hmm. and then i looked back at the stand and i go no no uh this isn't where the deer should be. If that deer's in that gully, he's... So I look back where the deer actually traveled. So I mm-hmm. started heading up that gully um, to, to about in the line from the stand where the deer ran. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, he was laying in the bottom of that gully. Really? Yep. And, and I think he was crashing pretty bad. So I think he... And it was such a good hit. When someone showed me the blood trail after we, after I found it, it was like a bloodbath. You know? Oh, really? Uh, so that deer wasn't going very far anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, but luckily, uh, he got down in that in that little gully, and he just couldn't get out. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so I think in the end, if it would have been flat, he probably would have went a little further. Mm-hmm. But but uh, luckily, uh, um, um, for that little gully. But but moving in that stand, you know, just out of the blue, and um, 
and uh, getting uh, and just getting up in there and hunting. I didn't even know that little gully was there. Mm-hmm. You know, I we just put the stand in there and got out of there. And uh, wow! So I don't know. Can you call that lucky or I don't know? <laughs> uh, but he was hit so good that uh, I. I didn't need that gully to to recover him, but I'm glad it was there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, that's your first archery deer ever. Is ever. that buck? Yep, I was 63 years old. So I I hunted for maybe eight years when I was 20 to 25. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go back to uh, hunting with a shotgun because I just didn't have time. I was in wrestling gyms and mm-hmm. football games and everything. I just didn't have time to bow hunt. And then uh, another 25 years went by, and then the kids sprung the new bow on me. I, I accessorized it, practiced with it, got good at it. And, uh, you know, about it took about six years for me to get a deer after i quit the new bull but wow what a deer yeah that's an incredible deer i when you sent the picture last year i was like oh my goodness i know i, I am just the happiest man in the planet <laughs> yes. if, there, if there's another one he's got to be out in africa somewhere and i just don't know about <laughs> <laughs> yeah well don jeepers that it was really nice of you to come on the podcast and you know thanks for telling us all about you know the measuring and everything and and the minnesota official measures so one question is how if we were to shoot a trophy animal um how would we contact a measurer okay well we have uh there's boone and crockett has a website Mm-hmm. Pope and Young has a website, so go to the Boone and Crockett website, Pope and Young website, and uh, they have a link that says find a measurer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and usually what it is is uh, 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 you go to find a measurer, and it'll 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 have you scroll down and find your state, mm-hmm. and then uh, click on the state, and then then it'll give you all measures throughout the state. We have about forty. We probably have about maybe 50 or 60 total measures in the state, mm-hmm. but at 40 of them are probably Boone and Crockett measures, so that we are doing so well. But mm-hmm. but then you just find the closest one, um, the closest one uh, uh, to you, and mm-hmm. then you you contact him. Okay, okay. Uh, um, unless uh, it's 200, it's a 200 inch buck. Then you bring it to Don Mager, then right? Yes. Yes. Every everything over two hundred comes directly to me. Okay. So, I I really wanted to make sure everybody knew that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, or or this is kind of a shot at a, at some of my buddies that are all good friends of mine. But I I tell people that if you want it done right, bring it to me. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but but these guys that I measure with it on the weekends in the spring of the year, they are. They are professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are good at what they do, mm-hmm. and uh, what a bunch of good guys! You know, they hunt. They they hunt and fish. You know, these guys do. You know, they're just not measures. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I I've gained some very good friendships over the years. Uh, mm-hmm. 
in this group. And uh, and also, the Minnesota Official Measures also have a uh, has a website too. Uh, I wish I was a little bit more prepared. I could have wrote that down to to let you know about that. But uh, uh, just uh, uh, seek out the Buna Crockett and the Pope and Young website and mm. find their link for it. Find a measure, and you'll you'll get. There's one in your area somewhere. Well, awesome, Don. Thank you very much, and uh, congratulations on that huge buck. Jeepers. Oh, yeah, I still he's still at the taxidermist, but I, I'm thinking maybe by about Christmas time, uh, uh, Ryan Chatterton will uh, be giving me a call. And Ryan Chatterton is my taxidermist, too. I, I should actually have him on the show someday. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that would be a, a, an interesting uh uh, topic too yeah, you know and he you know if you got that buck on the ground he can uh he can tell you how how do you get that buck from the ground to to my shop to uh what do you got to do to to get it to me you know mm-hmm. so that'd be wonderful you know yeah, absolutely the best yeah. best uh best way to take care of things before you get it to him you bet mm-hmm. you bet uh so uh so yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I, uh, but to enlighten you, um, I, I shot that big buck, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I thought, well, now I'm good at this or whatever. But just to let you know, about two weekends later, uh, there was a big doe behind me, standing broadside, and I shot it right over her back. So uh, uh, um, to explain doe hunting to you. It's the most frustrating thing you'll ever do, and it's the most gratifying thing you'll ever do. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's good. That's a, a good, good line. Quote, a good quote to maybe end the podcast with. Yes, you betcha. Well, thanks for joining us, Don. Yep. Uh, you're a good kid, Ziggy. Don't ever change who you are. <laughs> thanks. I appreciate it.